Hello and welcome to the Virtual Reality Podcast. It's time to trooper transform and cross the reality border as we immerse ourselves in the world of VR troopers. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Rob. We are VR, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to introduce myself. (laughs) No, I I went down that road and I didn't know I was going to, but it it happened. I paused (laughs) and I kept the pause there. So yeah, I'm I'm Rob. He's Mark. We are we are VR, I guess. I don't know the my virtual reality. <laughs> we are VR, I guess. <laughs> Troopers to go. Uh, uh, yeah, so I guess we're back for episode two of VR Troopers, the second part of the Battle Begins. It it looks that way. Yeah, <laughs> we made it two episodes in. Uh, I think you said you had to rewatch the second episode before you started this. I forgot to, so my notes are going to be a wonderful surprise. Oh, excellent. I've already forgotten everything. But I did watch, uh, since our last episode, the first episode of uh, Chojinki Metalda, which is one of the shows that the footage is based on. Oh, nice. Uh, specifically Ryan's suit. So uh, I think, as I mentioned last episode, I'm going to try and do bits and pieces of like background and history as we go. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, we don't want to like front load it with three hours of kind of relevant-ish history before we start talking about, you know, a 90s TV show that lasts for 22 minutes, you know? So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Chojinki Metalda. Uh, to be honest, I think we really should talk about Spielband today, just because like, a lot of the footage specifically comes from Spielband. But you know, Ryan is the main character, and his stuff comes from Metalda, which we mentioned in the last episode, which kind of roughly translates to Superhuman Machine or Super Android Metalda. Uh, the sub I was watching uh, did it for Super Android. Um, so that uh, aired from 16th of March 1987 to the 17th of January in 1988 and is part of the Metal Hero franchise, which we talked about briefly last episode, and it's kind of like Toei's third Tokusatsu live-action superhero special effect show franchise. Uh, the other two you may know of as uh, Kamen Rider and Super Sentai. Super Sentai goes to Power Rangers and Kamen Rider was Master Rider and is not anymore. We don't talk about Master Rider. No, so, um, no, we never, no. we never talk about Master Rider. <laughs> uh, the Metal Heroes franchise kind of ended in the mid nineties uh, with the kind of Beetleborg stuff, the Beetle Fighter shows being the last few. Kind of what set it apart from Super Sentai Kamen Riders, not only kind of starting a lot later, starting in the eighties, they uh, used a lot more kind of power suits, like there were metal suits, or like you know they were supposed to be probably made of plastic and foam and stuff, you know, because <laughs> stunt suits. Whatever, um, but yeah, they're, you know they're, they're kind of metallic, and more armored, especially compared to the Kamen Rider of the time. You know, Kamen Rider now they've all got ridiculous armors because they've got, I guess, slightly better budgets and slightly better um, kind of effect studios to kind of build these better suits and stuff. So you know, a bit Iron Man with their kind of power suit robot style suits, uh, and I kind of they originally started off with um, a few shows specifically called the Space Sheriff, like Space Sheriff Gavan, Space Sheriff um, uh, Shida, Sharaban, I think was another one. And uh, yeah, they were sheriffs from space. I was thinking about this earlier, actually, and it's quite strange that for VR troopers, I guess maybe it's because they had the rights to Matelda already, but it's weird that they took that and the space sheriff show when Matelda is not that. It's just (laughs) no. It's just a robot man. Just a robot man. Yeah, normally the space sheriffs are people. They're aliens. They work for like an inter. I don't know. I don't know if it's galactic, but it's interstellar at least space force thing and they have spaceships that when they do a special key phrase will beam down a suit onto them 
and kind of think famously in Japan, they'll be like, oh yes, sir, the uh, the Gavan suit materializes around him in one-tenth of a second, which has been parodied in other stuff like uh, the Gokaiju vs. Gavan movie, one of the Super Sentai movies for the Space Sheriff anniversary, and uh, the, the wonderful 101, the uh, kind of Wii U game, soon-to-be Switch game, uh, has a reference to it when Wonder Red transforms the first time in the game. So this is the sixth Metal Hero show, and also the shortest. There was 39 episodes and a movie. Apparently, it was kind of darker than other Metal Hero shows, and that's why it was cancelled a little bit early. Yeah. Can't really find any proper confirmation of that. It's just from, you know, the wiki, so that could be wrong. But anyway, um, so Metalda is about a super android created at the end of World War Two, specifically in '45, so the end of the war, uh, to serve as Japan's strongest weapon against the U.S. Uh, his creator, though, Dr. Koga, decided to shut down the project because he was a pacifist and put uh, Metalda to sleep for 42 years. After the war, he uh, became a scientist for NASA, and I think that's kind of supposed to be a reference to a lot of how the kind of the Axis scientists were taken into America after World War II. Specifically, people like Werner von Braun, who was the inventor of the V2 and helped with um, America's one of America's many space programs before NASA became a thing. But he worked for NASA until uncovering the evil machinations of the god Neros, who you may know as Grimlord. Um, that's it. That's his name. Yeah, god <laughs> Neros. And his Neros Empire. Uh, so he returns to Japan to activate Metalda, uh, who just who also happens to be modelled after his son, who died at the end of World War II. So that's weird, but okay. Um, <laughs> it and, is. Uh, I, I found that when I watched Metalda, I found that odd. It, yeah. I'm sure it builds up to something later on. But just at the Absolutely. beginning, it's like, oh, okay then. Yeah, so he kind of wakes up, he's literally told by Dr. Koga, oh, I need to stop Neros, and then Koga like, gets killed pretty quickly, and then Metalda starts his fight with Neros, I guess, and yeah, that was the first episode. I've only seen the first episode, I need to watch more. But uh, as we mentioned before, many times the Metalda suit is what Ryan has. Uh, uh, the evil Ziktor uh, and, his, and his tower, as Mark mentioned last episode, are lifted pretty much straight from the show, like... Um, you weren't kidding when he said almost one-to-one -one because it kind of opens up a scene in his office and his attractive secretaries are talking to him about um, stock markets. Uh, the Dow Jones has gone up and he's going to do some crazy stock market manipulation to kind of make the markets go high and then he's going to blow up all the oil refineries as the evil god Neros so that the stock markets crash and he can take over <laughs> the world easily. No, Ziktor's version is like a watered-down version of god Neros's plan. Yeah, which is a bit ridiculous. But uh, god Neros, I think, is like... I can't remember what they called him, they're like the, the Dark Dimension or something, where he comes from. Yeah, he has attractive secretaries. They're called Pretty Secretary K and Pretty Secretary S. Kind of <laughs> glad they didn't give the Skug ladies like actual names or whatever. Um, I think you mentioned the um, sci-fi bedroom, which apparently is called Silver Carcass, and it's an old, <laughs> yeah, incredible name, right? Uh, it's supposed to be like an old Japanese uh, kind of military HQ, uh, and it's pretty much the same as Professor Hart's, like same layout, similar kind of button, uh, lights and buttons and switches and the, the sci-fi bed and what have you. Um, and kind of the opening episode, Koga's trying to get to the lab, and it's very similar to kind of how he's being shot at by... Um, oh, uh, Air, Stri Air Striker and, and Fighterbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of shoot him, and he kind of goes off the road, uh, and then he kind of runs into a forest. So I guess the woods <laughs> actually did help him. Uh, and then he kind of runs under a, into a cave in a mountain and finds the lab. Uh, so I guess it's very similar. So they took quite a few ideas and concepts from that first episode of the VR Troopers, which is uh, quite interesting. The Cybertron pilot follows that even closer. Like it's basically 
they basically set it up to be the same show, but without the whole. Oh wow! This is my son as a robot thing. They just oh. changed it to uh, it's JDF, and now he's Matilda. <laughs> but yeah, Jason apart David from that, Frank it was like the Matilda. same. Wow. Also, I guess uh, we were being confused last episode because he keeps calling them his mutant robots and his like monsters, mutants, and robots and stuff. He keeps calling his army, uh, and he specifically has four like separate parts of his army. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the armored men, which are led by like a bodybuilder and a sumo guy in like hilarious yes. makeup and armor, who we don't unfortunately see in uh, VR Troopers, I guess. I did notice uh, when I rewatched the first episode. Although you don't really see them, they are there in the crowd. Because when I watched Matilda, I instantly noticed those guys, and I was like, "Why aren't they in?" Uh, I almost called it Metal Troopers. Then that's not what it's called. Why aren't they? <laughs> Why aren't they in VR Troopers? And then, but no, they are there. They just cut them out quite a lot, so you don't really see that they're there. But but yeah, yeah, Zama's men, his monsters, his robotic warriors, and like kind of tank heavy armor divisions of his <laughs> army for some reason. And yeah, the show is based. Oh, it's not really based. Right, it's an homage to a much older Tokusatsu live action show called Kikaida. I think I briefly said the word Kikaida uh, last episode didn't really explain it yes uh kind of the the the, the dual colors of Matilda's suit the kind of the blue and the red is a direct reference to Kakaido, which is that 70s tokusats about also about a super robot android thing with a human disguise and he has uh you know two halves of his robot body are red and blue like it's just a direct reference to that and so yes yeah, so that's that was Matilda, and uh yeah I, I, in 1987 so it was like you know eight years from that until actually <laughs> vr troopers started airing or whatever so uh Gosh. yeah kind of kind of weird but sure okay um, yeah but uh, the first episode includes uh the fight with the sword guy that we just saw at the end of the last episode where he kind of slices his uh, shoulder and he's like talking like a fighter jet pilot about going out of control. However, <laughs> um, however, uh, Matilda seems to five that and starts yelling at the ocean about why he was made. But so what happened to Ryan? Perhaps that's a that's a good chance for us to get into the battle begins. So I I did a little bit of um, background research on oh, yeah. the battle begins part one and two, and it's written by Douglas Sloan, who's uh, obviously he's done a lot of stuff for Power Rangers. Um, I sort of I didn't really think anything of it when i was thinking about the people that like wrote these episodes for some reason it didn't occur to me that they would just carry over power rangers stuff but just, yeah it, he's like amazingly active and he's written a lot more power rangers than i thought including quite a lot of dino thunder which is a personal oh, wow, favorite really? of mine and yeah. he did a few episodes of uh, ninja storm and he was a lot of uncredited voices of monsters in like <laughs> power rangers early on and also in VR Troopers, at some point he is Skug Cowboy. So I look forward to whatever that is. <laughs> Holy shit! Yes, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I also learned that um, the city, because they haven't, I don't think they've mentioned the name of the city that they live in yet. I didn't. Yeah, it realize. does have a name though, doesn't it? Yes, Cross World City, which is an amazing name. That's like that's kind of like something you would write in one of your <laughs> Cross World <laughs> <Yeah>. City. <laughs> that was exactly my thinking. I was just like, oh, why didn't I come up with that name? <laughs> So I guess my uh, kind of Los Angeles jokes uh, from our episode don't count because they're not in Los Angeles. Or maybe Crossworld City is part of the Los Angeles County area. Who knows? Who knows? It could be. There are many. There are many different cities and towns that make up kind of what people think of Los Angeles. It just. I just assume so, yeah. it, it's like, like a stand-in for LA, and they're not 
but a bit like Angel Grove, I suppose. Yeah, just... yeah. The, <laughs> the, the the non-Spanish town that was uh, <laughs> in Western California, Southwestern California. So uh, I think also does Shuki Levy, I think, um, direct this as well. Yes, he... yes, that's right. Uh, which is always great because I know him mostly from just the music he made for Wheeled Warriors, Jason the Wheeled Warriors, mm. um, which I think is probably... You know, apparently making uh, theme tunes in the 80s was a great way to make a ridiculous amount of money, which is why Chuck Lorre is super rich because he made the Ninja Turtles theme tune. Huh. So uh, I'm assuming uh, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy made a lot of their money just from composing 80s kids theme tunes. <laughs> <laughs> what a life. It really right, yeah. Yeah, we ready to get into the episode? Should we go? Should we, should we find where Ryan is? Yes, let's uh, let's find Ryan. Countdown, control, four, three, two, one. We are, 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 So we kind of see him, I believe, very briefly, and then we have another flashback. To him with his dad at the Korean friendship bell. Uh, he tells him about never giving up. I believe, you know, this is the start of all the life lessons we're going to get from his dad every episode. Yes, pre- presumably every episode from now on, that's what's going to happen. I just can't do it, Dad. I've tried my best, but I'm not good at this. I'm a failure. No one's a failure as long as they keep on trying, son. No matter how hopeless things seem, never lose heart. Never give up. That's all you can ask of anyone. Dad was right. I gotta hang on. I can't give up. When he's laying in the ditch at the bottom of the... I thought it was a cliff at first, but it's not. It's more like a a mound of dirt that he fell down. <laughs> we get a close-up of the suit that they were using for the American footage. Yeah. And it, it really, really looks plasticky. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's just because the because the, the lighting in the camera is slightly better, uh, and it doesn't seem to have quite the detail of the close up shots from Metalda either. It just uh, looks like a large toy. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently there was the same suits that they brought over. Uh, I think I mentioned this uh, last time. Sorry, yes. that you know it may have just been the stunt suit rather than kind of the close up hero suit. Like, um, if people don't know, in um, kind of film and TV and that uh, and that kind of lingo. You know, the stunt suit is what they use for kind of the more far away, more um, action shots. In fact, you know, uh, a lot of uh, films and productions might have multiple different stunt suits for different types of stunts. Uh, and then you always have the kind of hero suit for closer up shots, which is perhaps harder to move around in. Can't see as well, but it looks better in the camera. So uh, that's kind of what they use. But apparently, because uh, they are the suits from Japan, they wouldn't fit, you know, the, the you know Ryan and mm. uh, Brad Hawkins and Michael Hollander. Because you know they're they're big Americans, and <laughs> these are for like tiny ripped Japanese stuntmen. So uh, they 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 just had some of the stunt performers from Power Rangers come over and kind of put them on for any kind of American shot scenes. Apparently, so oh, well uh, yeah. that makes sense. I think yeah, the suits have probably been repainted as well because yeah, like mm. they've got like a lack of detail. So maybe I don't know. It's hard to tell. I just whenever they're on, they do screen, go through lots of wear and tear, don't they? As you know, throughout the series, and I guess if you think about it, like you know. It's, by the time it kind of got over to America, the show had been over for like six, seven years. Production had been over on that show, and so they probably just got something in a box in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, because it's a secret warehouse. There's that um, infamous photo of a Cameron Rider suit that's deteriorated over time that was circulating yeah. a little while back. So they probably had a 
similar fate so they probably got patched up but i don't know it's just yeah i suppose they weren't really that bothered about the detail but people no. it annoys people like me who like looking <laughs> at the suits for the detail <laughs> watching but... it 25 years later yeah. <laughs> yeah why didn't they think about that <laughs> i think jb and caitlin are kind of using the geothermal uh, location software. Oh, yes, back in the Again. sci-fi bedroom. Yeah, back in the sci-fi bedroom. Silver uh, carcass. JB um, tells us that he's scanned the 42nd sector, whatever that is. Yeah, I keep thinking, of, I, every time a TV show or some kind of thing is like, oh, yes, they're in sector J43, it's like, I know you're just making shit up and to make it sound more official, but what does that mean? <laughs> They've been doing it in the in the current Super Sentai as well, and it's like, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> What's a sector? You've got to give us something. I mean, I know, I'm joking, but... <laughs> just, does everybody um, know how these sectors work? Is it just part of the world? Oh, yeah, part of all these fictional worlds is a sector is a... It's like a hector, but like, you know, a sector. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, they find him. They find JB with this kind of geothermal thing, which looks like sufficiently like someone just kind of waving a camera about and then adding a little <laughs> bit of an effect over it. The press is like, oh! Looks like that's broken. Let me get you this thing, mate, and you can go out and fix him. And yeah, Professor Hart being... just summons a a shape from out of the ether and says that that that'll do the job. That'll that'll fix him up. I was trying to th- look hard and see if kind of what it w- was the prop was because I remember you brought up Dino Thunder. I think that was a, a great thing where they had some like sensor and it was clearly just like a handheld drill they put <laughs> like stickers and painted on. Um, so I was trying to figure out like if it was something really obvious, like a dustbuster or something. But like they they kept really kind of hiding it behind their hands, so I couldn't quite uh, make out what it was. Yeah, I was but, trying um, to work out what it was because it was it was such an odd shape. It was yeah, really weird. So they, I guess they go out to to drive to find Ryan. So again, I'm wondering like is is he in the quote unquote real rela- real reality, or are they able to kind of drive? into the virtual reality i'm i really studied this episode to try and get a grip oh. on what is and isn't virtual reality and i th- i think i sort of i've got it down a little bit like okay th- this this scene takes place in regular reality as far as i can tell okay um it gets a bit dicey later on but it you have to clearly you have to watch it several times to be able to follow <laughs> where they are <laughs> <laughs> which isn't really ideal because if it's just something that's on like a couple of times a week you're not really going to be watching it over and over again to be like okay right where, where are they now <laughs> it feels like they're really shoehorning in the kind of virtual and real reality thing and they probably should have just been like oh we're attacking the real reality and we're defending in the real reality or something i don't know I yeah mean... that, that probably would have been the easier thing to do but... <laughs> i don't write kids tv for a reason clearly um <laughs> JB and Caitlin, uh, they they hop in the car, and they bring Jeb along because why wouldn't you? Because Jeb is in sure. every scene. And as they're driving along, all of a sudden the steering wheel locks and they lose control, which is a VR trooper's staple, apparently. And uh, and Caitlin's really acting on this. She's like, yeah, I know, oh, I've lost that. control. But yeah. <laughs> but JB doesn't really seem to care at first. He's like, okay, this is fine. And as they're losing control, they drive off the edge of a cliff. And all of a sudden, there's a nice little scene with the model from Matalda where some wings fold out of the car and it starts to fly. Yeah. And at that point, professional gobshite Professor Hart <laughs> says that, oh, I just, I modified your car so that it can fly. It, those weren't his exact words, but he said something like that. Why? 
Caitlin, I neglected to mention that I took the liberty of making a few adjustments on your car. This device must be one of them. Is there anything else you neglected to tell us? But yeah, he he uh, he modded the car so that it could fly, activated its function remotely without telling them, which is such a dick move. I don't know why he <laughs> did that. He could have just said before they left, oh, by the way, your car can fly now, so if you just press these buttons. It'll make helping uh, finding Ryan much easier and quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of... So, the uh, this car model and like some of the... Uh, kind of the, the airship and the kind of tanks and stuff we're mm. going to see later. Uh, they really remind me that uh, kind of Toku has its roots somehow in Thunderbirds and sort of the kind of the model work that they had in Thunderbirds for the uh, international rescue ships and what have you. Yes, and yeah. I kind of love the, the the very practical, juddery little kind of RC models they have for this, and they're, they're very cool, including this car and the transformation stuff. I always prefer those over CG. I just think they look. Mm better like i, I yeah. guess yeah, i guess because they're a physical thing this there's mm. just something quite nice about them i could watch absolutely more, more, yeah. i mean i guess they don't really do it because it's probably not very cost effective to make the models as opposed to just knocking them up in like blender or whatever blender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pro- probably not blender maybe 3d max something a bit more professional who knows yeah but um yeah i know exactly what you mean the, the, the three the 3d and cg and stuff in even in modern tokusats is still not great like i think the sentai from a couple of years ago mm. uh lupan ranger versus um path ranger uh they would like have this establishing shot of the bad guy's lair and it looked like a ps2 cutscene like an early ps2 cutscene oh no <laughs> uh, and it was not great but you know whatever there's practical effects that you go to tokusats for and they have plenty of that so uh... once the car takes off uh we're taken to ziktor's office where he's watching oh, yes. some footage of ryan in a ditch on his tv <laughs> At which point the Skugs make a point of telling him that Ryan's still alive, but he's watching the screen, so he knows this, and then that appears to be in the entire scene. Okay. So that's the scene. Oh, because he tells them all to kill them all at once. Then the Skugs kind of go to them while they're about to help Ryan. Is that correct? Oh yeah, they la- they land the flying car, so you get to see the practical effects again of the car nice. folding back up, which is nice. They have this kind of laser thing that they're using on Ryan's shoulder. Yes, I think that when they got the prop in the sci-fi bedroom, I thought that they were going to be putting that into his shoulder, but no, it's just like uh, they're just shooting his shoulder with lasers. But it doesn't really uh, doesn't really do anything. I don't know why they do it, but <laughs> like a magic laser doodad that's supposed to, I guess, do some wiring magically. <laughs> JB keeps asking Ryan if he can move his arm, and he's like, "No, not yet." And then some scugs appear, uh, and it turns out that Caitlin can fight. Yes. And... They, they all fight and she figures out with a, a punch or a kick that if the Skugs touch they disintegrate I, I was re-watching the first episode after kind of my initial watch through mm. uh, I noticed that some of the Skugs in lady form were kind of touching as they talked to <laughs> Zigtor so continuity oh terrible Get Ryan out of here. Something tells me there's more of them on their way. Let's go. Maybe it only works if they're in skug form. Maybe. But that, yeah. that must be if they're just going about their business whilst they're in skug form. If they bump into one another, that's it. Like, do they then die when they disintegrate or do they just go back to virtual reality? I'd be living in yeah, fear that's... if I were a skug. It's like, no, I can, yeah. ne- I can never touch anyone or I will disintegrate. 
and they're always kind of like waving around. So what if you accidentally touch a friend while you're kind of doing a little kind of wavy pose? And uh, yeah, they're not exactly very you know. careful. They're yeah. quite reckless. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they've had do enough. You think, do you think Skugs are like, oh, you know, I was uh, out out in the VR store the other day, and I ran into Skug two three four one two, and they're like, oh, you, we ran in like physically. Oh no no no, we didn't touch. No, it's fine. You know, you know, you know. They, they've clearly been practicing social distancing in the virtual reality for. <laughs> For a long time. So, They're uh, way yeah. ahead of us. <laughs> so they defeat the Skugs and they get Ryan back to the Professor and he gets fixed by the sci-fi table. Yes, um, apparently um, Ryan's power source is in his left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, true. Mm, which is weird. Well, I guess like, you know, I'm not quite sure if he's supposed to be like a robot suit around him or if he kind of completely transforms into a robot. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's quite, VR quite trooper. vague. I noticed when watching this back, which I didn't catch before, when he's being fixed, they splice in a little bit of uh, Metalda footage, but they've mirrored yep. it so that it yep. fits in. Yeah, th- he like just... the red and blue are reversed. Yeah, yeah, so his face keeps changing for a little bit, and it's quite funny <laughs> to watch. So he demorphs, and I think uh, Professor kind of says, oh, you know, they're going to prepare him for an all-out attack, so we need to be ready for it. And that's when Jeb jumps on the table. And uh, he's like licking the switches for some reason. And they're like, oh, Jeb, no. And Professor's like, oh, that machine can do strange things to organic beings. Like it's his machine, his sci fi bed. Doesn't really know what it does. And Jeb somehow does the, presses the combination to make it so he can talk. Yes. But the way Professor Hart talks about it, I think he definitely knew that was going to happen. Because <laughs> he just like, oh, it does strange things to living beings, and then what? Like once, uh, once he gains the power to talk, he's like, well, I did tell you. It's like he definitely, which uh, backs up the theory that he's a gobshite. <laughs> he's just trolling them, you know. <laughs> so the VR isn't actually like an alternate reality; it's an actual video game, and he's just like, yeah, let's get these teens to fight some bad guys, you know. <laughs> I'm bored, and Jeb he talks like this with a. Kind of a cool, laid-back stoner voice, or something like that. I didn't realise that he's voiced by uh, Kerrigan Mahan. I don't know how to say his name. Is it like that? Of uh, Goldar fame. Yes, he is. He, he, Which he, uh, uh, took me by pseudonym. surprise. Yes, I think he was going <laughs> under a pseudonym. Like, I, I don't know what episode it's in, but I really recall from my childhood Jeb saying, I'll bring the guacamole. I'll bring the guacamole. I don't know what the context was, but I just know <laughs> at some point there's an episode coming up where he's going to say that. Great. Uh, yeah. So uh, Crossworld City must have some great Mexican restaurants then, I guess. <laughs> All really bad ones if they have to bring their own guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> A dog has to make the guacamole. It's, uh, it's that bad, yeah. Professor Hart tells the troopers to put on the VR visors. Yeah. So that he can show them a lineup of monsters that they've already seen. Oh yeah, and they all kind of recoil and uh, in in fear, and he rolls his <laughs> eyes because they did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we learn that one of the monsters is called Cannon Nose, <laughs> which is that's up there with Fighterbot. I enjoy that name. It's great. I think he's one of the the, the, the tank generals from Metalda. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan seems to believe that. Um, these monsters are the key to finding his father. That yes, Cannon Nose will definitely, definitely help you in finding your father. <laughs> Which way is my father? Mm, follow my shell. <laughs> uh, we also yeah. have we have a scene back in Zictor's office where he's surrounded by 
five skugs in disguise who are all taking notes at the same time. Okay. About some land which will soon be available to purchase. I think everything that um, Ziktor's doing is completely above board. Because he's waiting for the <laughs> land to be available. He's not stealing it. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, he is doing it all, you know. He's going through the proper channels. He's buying it. Uh, he's, uh, so, you know, it's his to destroy. And <laughs> so Maybe he's not it. such a villain after all. Maybe he's just misunderstood. He's just a misunderstood philanthropic billionaire who wants to create <laughs> nuclear power for the whole western seaboard, you know. Historic buildings be damned. <laughs> <laughs> then that's it for that scene. Like, Zictor has a like a lot of short office scenes in this episode. Were they, like, running low on time and they had to do loads of pickup shots with <laughs> the Zictor actor <laughs> just to kind of fill out the 22 minutes? I, I, it's great. I don't know. <laughs> There's also, after the, the scene where Jeb gets the ability to talk, there's another scene mm. in the office where, at lightning speed... Zictor just says, now to check there's no change to my plans, and then we get the take me back to my virtual reality bit. But it's like, oh, yeah. it was obviously just like a quick bit of uh, ADR, but like, the speed at which he said it, they were just like, right, you have to fit it into this very short scene where we show the outside of the office and that's it. So just, just get the line done. Forces of darkness, empower me! Take me back to my virtual reality! Uh, this is just when he they go oh hell Grimlord and he goes silence. <laughs> I, I kind of like that in a I, I like you know, as someone who pretends to be a bad guy sometimes and Bison from Street Fighter if you're wondering. Uh, like I, I kind of like how people are kind of hailing him and going oh hell Grimlord and then you know second time he's there that he's like shut up you failed. <laughs> <laughs> Do your bloody jobs, mate. Once Zictor becomes Grimlord, he tells us that it's time for the final battle. But it's episode <laughs> yeah. it's episode two, so he's getting a bit ahead of himself. <laughs> so yes, they they're practicing cats in the dojo, and then Tao tells them to clean the dojo. There's a really and... really odd song that plays whilst yeah. whilst they're in the dojo, and the words are just and when she slow motion, can't hold back when she wants. <laughs> wow, well, I, I wonder if that's another Ron Wasserman classic. Uh... Referencing the uh, the Cybertron pilot again, the music in yeah. that was like, re- not good, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong. Jo- it's like really Power Rangersy, like it's singing about right. Cybertron as he was then known, and being like, oh, you gotta you gotta beat Grimlord, and like I I want there to be some of that in VR Troopers, but I can't remember whether there is. <laughs> but no, instead <laughs> we just get this strange, vague song. <laughs> It is a bit like the White Ranger Tiger. Yeah, like that. That yeah. sort of uh, that sort of thing. Amazing. <laughs> um, so yes, we we go to the newspaper. We go to Woody, and he's acting more and more like Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, <laughs> as we go, <laughs> he's going to snag into the same gin. <laughs> um, and he's, this is where he's playing with the zombie men and bug toys we mentioned last episode. Uh, and he kind of Caitlin comes in. And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, whatever." Zigtor's doing stuff, and he, she's gonna, she's taking photos for a, a piece for yes. the end of the day. Before she leaves, though, she just randomly takes some photos with the lens cap on while she's in the office. I mean, I mean, maybe she was like getting the film going. Maybe it was a new roll of film, but it was just, yeah, it was weird to include that. It was a bit unnecessary. 
Or maybe just to show like, that she picks up the camera. Like, look, she's got it. It's kind of funny because, you know, I haven't really used a film camera. I never used a good one. Mm. Like, I, I haven't used one for many, many years. And the last time was like some weird instant one I had as a kid. Um, and so to me, it was like, oh, yeah, sure, I guess. He just wanted to make sure the first actually kind of <laughs> rolled onto the but then onto the correct photo thing thinking about it she was using an slr so as soon as she puts the film into that it would just wind automatically oh so terrible right well someone needs to tell the production design uh how an slr actually works they'll uh, they'll be getting a long list of notes once we've been through all the episodes <laughs> <laughs> so caitlin drives off with her camera and, and pulling over we have some an adr line of like oh i wonder what all that dust is over there. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's strange. I wonder what's kicking up all that dust over there. I'd better check it out. And she kind of gets out, and um, then she's taking photos of Ziktor's invasion army, which includes all these Spielban tanks that uh, Ryan's going to fight later on. How no one else um, notices that there's a load of tanks driving around. Because this is obviously in the real reality as well. Because yeah. Caitlin can see it. But I guess no one else really cares. Just oh, there's yeah. there's like loads of tanks here, but it's probably fine. Probably fine. You know, oh, she's all that dust. Maybe someone else would have done this <laughs> and stopped to investigate. Um, so she takes the pictures. Like I, I kind of like this this plot uh, contrivance that she takes these pictures. She then goes to the dojo um, where JB informs Ryan that hey, with a few more shifts, he might co-own the dojo in a few years, which seems. I, I don't think that's kind of how ownership of businesses works. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think that that got me a little bit because I'm, I'm sure they say like in a few years you will have done enough hours, and I just thought, well, that's that's not how business works at all. You don't just <laughs> if you've been somewhere long enough, you just get part ownership of it. Like that would be yeah, a it's strange weird. way to run I... the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then Caitlin arrives and she's like, uh, oh, uh, I need to talk to you guys and starts fumbling with her kind of virtualizer necklace. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, um, there's the thing we need to, to handle. And they run off um, and uh, to to the newspaper. And in the meantime, we go to Grimlord. And once again, he shows his somehow omniscience because he knows that Caitlin saw the tanks <laughs> with her and, and all his generals. Like how <laughs> the, this this whole scene with Grimlord, I got lost quite quickly because he kept going from being outside to inside. At one point, yes. he's massive, and I don't know. Yeah. It's it's from the Matilda opening sequence. Like oh yeah, like I thought it massive, might have been. So he's, he's like massive in, behind a cliff. So like he's yeah. not really massive, but it was like it's an interesting choice of scene just like here he is he's huge but not all the time yes and then he's in his chair then he's huge then he's back in his chair and like they say oh you know the vr the troopers have found the army it doesn't matter though just assault whatever so like this scene is almost completely useless <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's don't... just grimlord talking <laughs> and we get back to the the photo contrivance where caitlin somehow has to develop the photos to I guess convince JB <laughs> and Ryan and Professor Hart that she saw an army of tanks and evil robots. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a good point actually because they know that all this stuff is happening, but no, she, she has to prove it with photos. I, it, it's like a weird roundabout way to set up the fact that there's a dark room in the in the newspaper office, which they're going to transform in later. 
but um, uh, JB summons the professor using a mini disc or a zip disc or something in the computer. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh yes, this will help us talk to the professor. And when, it's like, okay. when they start talking to the professor, he seems really annoyed that they've uh, that they've summoned him. Like He says something <laughs> like, it's almost like, what do you want? <laughs> the professor tells them to scan in the... <laughs> <laughs> photos. And I don't know what she kind of put and like Caitlin starts pushing the photos into something. <laughs> and just, I don't know what. I think she just pushes them into the side of the computer. <laughs> and then the prof- and then rather than just looking, the professor goes, analyzing now. And every time I watch that bit, I lose it. <laughs> We're at Caitlin's office. She took some pictures you should see right away. Scan them to me and I'll examine them. Analyzing now. Just as I suspected, Grimlord has started moving his army through the reality barrier. I love this kind of 90s understanding of computing <laughs> and computers. It's, it's, it's so... I love it. Like, you know, Hackers is a result of this. And uh, Have you ever seen that clip flying around online, which is from the old TV show Ghostwriter, where, like, this... Um, kid but she's like she was a famous actress or is a famous actress mm. so julia styles on ghostwriter can you jam with the uh, cowboy hackers in cyberspace <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean just a you know, really cliched kind of hacker talk uh they also seen jurassic park it's a unix system i know this <laughs> oh i think yeah. there's a buffy episode that had the exact same thing in the late, the late 90s as well just Ah, uh, I'm. I miss that time. I just, I just, I, I love stuff like that because it was always, like, I guess because people didn't have much of an understanding about computers, people just made it up yeah. as they went along and just said like the most incredibly vague things that just sounded like slightly technical. Uh, so yeah, she's just pushing the <laughs> pictures into the computer. Professor's like, oh no, as I suspected, all those tanks and bad guys—they're an army. <laughs> um. <laughs> so they duck into the dark room to transform, which I, I kind of like. I um, I guess they'd already done a year of Power Rangers, so it wasn't like their kind of first thing where they're doing transforming people. Yeah, but like, I do sort of dig interesting ways of morphing. Like to this day, um, one of the directors of a lot of the uh, kind of later Power Rangers seasons in the noughties and mm. late nineties, uh, Koichi Sakamoto, who now is kind of back in Japan doing oh, yes. Some Super Sentai stuff, like he, uh, he just he's many things he's known for um, in the kind of Tokusatsu community. Normally, like he just does some really good fight scenes because he has a love for kung fu, Hong Kong movies from the seventies and eighties and stuff. Mm. So uh, in the recent show that just ended, Ryu Soldier, um, the Black Ranger would often have kind of fights unmorphed, and there'd be loads of chalk everywhere. So whenever he kicked or punched someone, chalk would go flying. <laughs> it was great, and that's kind of like a Sakamoto. Um, thing one of the other things he does which people don't really talk about as much is he people will be fighting and they'll kind of transform during the fight oh yes um which is kind of like one of my favorite things ever and um uh, a show that he helmed uh, a few years ago called um uh, uh juden sentai kyuja which became dino charge uh, they did that a lot because their their transformer was a gun so they could like mm. they could be fighting and then transform and like their gun would be part of their attack uh, and uh, yeah, that's always cool to me. And there's there's one in um, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue where um, uh, the Blue Ranger, played by Mike Chat, who's a, a great uh, kind of stuntman dude, he's like fighting some of the weird demon bad guys. 
does a little transformation call and because they chucked a shield out which they were going to go through them and put their suit on but he chucked the shield out and then kind of did like a fl- uh, kind of like a jumping heel kick kind of uh, through it to hit a bad guy oh my God. kind of transforming through the shield and it's like oof perfect wonderful I love it and um, I mean this is not to that level but it's still kind of cool to see them kind of just almost do a Superman going into a telephone box thing to transform to the VR troopers uh, in, in this dark room and even see kind of little flashes throughout the doors as they uh, as he as a, a muffled Ryan shouts Trooper transform we are VR what sort of ruined that scene for me was the way that um, Ryan paces Trooper transform instead of saying Trooper transform it's Trooper transform Trooper transform we are It was only the second episode, so maybe they haven't really worked out <laughs> at, like how it should be paced just yet. But it was just it threw me off that bit. Yeah. Even on the um on the subtitles when I was watching it, they added a comma because he pauses for so long. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so they transform, and we get I guess our first American shot of all the troopers together, which I think they kind of reused in the first episode. They act like uh, they've just... never seen the suits before in that scene. Like, wow, this is so cool. It's like, you've done this already once before. You know what's going on. (laughs) I guess they weren't all together, though, that last time, maybe. No, that's a fair point. And uh, so, yeah, we briefed Jamie and Caitlin, they're going to go off on their own, and Ryan's going to shoot from the big giant flying fortress. I can't remember the name of that was. Do you you know the name? I didn't jot down the name, nor can I remember it. Fair Um, enough. It can't have been very good. Um, No, it was probably (laughs) some garbage name. Yeah. Uh, And Ryan's like, who's piloting that? And... So I was like, "You, you fucking dummy! <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've got incredible superpowers. They'll guide you." And he's like, "Oh, oh okay, cool." And then um, once he's in, it, he's like, "I can handle this. It's like a video game. It's like it's, it's not. It's more, more like driving a vehicle." And we get our first of what apparently is Ryan's catchphrase of "See ya!" As he destroys <laughs> yes. some jets. It's odd because that that vehicle, like it's it's obviously a Spielban thing because of the colours. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, it's a little bit strange that they decided Ryan was going to pilot that. I suppose maybe yeah. there's a reason for it, but that's just not very I guess clear it's, what that is. It's for all of them, I suppose, in general. I guess. But um, I think kind of back to the Metal Heroes thing, I think I mentioned that normally the spaceship would be the thing that kind of gives them their suits. And that, mm. um, you know, Fort- Fortress thing was what gave Spielban his kind of Spielban suit or whatever. Like it would beam down from there onto him. So, yeah, he's kind of flying around in that, shooting... Uh, jets. Does he have to be reminded by Professor Hart that he has missiles or something? That I'm not sure for certain, but that definitely sounds yeah. correct. And uh, like Power Rangers at the time, it's still kind of now. Um, you know, you can't be kind of silent and show and not tell. So he's constantly quipping with this <laughs> ridiculous kind of patter yes. while piloting stuff. Like, whoa, here we go, firing missiles, <laughs> locked on, all, all, all that kind of jazz. Um, and I, I kind of get it, kids. Sometimes can get bored. Maybe they're saying something in Japan, like in, in uh, especially in like Super Sentai, you see it a lot. Mm. Um, kind of, you know, they'll just go yes or oh, yeah. They, they did a lot in, um, especially in the uh, Jew Ranger, which is what Power the original Power Rangers came from. Like, there's literally an episode where I think literally three scenes in a row, uh, the leader of the Jew Rangers, Geki, is like, oh, follow me, and the rest of the team kind of bring up their fist and like almost punch the head to go oh, <laughs> and and it's it's really strange. And basically, the first episode of Jew Ranger. Everyone's saying, oh, until they defeat the bad guy. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. 
And now we get what I think is kind of the coolest part of this episode. We get JB and Caitlin kind of infiltrating this base in the snow. Yes, it's um, also a part where it's most obvious what is and isn't virtual reality. So I really like this scene. JB, Caitlin, have you found Grimlord's base yet? We think so. Bingo. Man, Ryan, you gotta try this VR scanner. It's great. Over here, look. All the conduits and pipelines converge on this point. That must be the main power core. This explosive ought to blow up, user two. JB uses his VR scanner, which reveals the secret hideout. It's funny to me that they're in the snow, considering they are presumably in California. But that's <laughs> that's another matter. Well, I figured. Well, no, there are there is like um, kind of mountains in California, so like it could be high up in a mountain. But I kind of figured they were in the other reality, the virtual reality, which was in like a different location with snow. But um, I, that I don't know. That could be it because I don't know. There's just snow everywhere, so yeah, <laughs> every reality has snow. <laughs> every reality <laughs> has snow. But I, I love. Um, when they kind of they don't do it often anymore at all because I, th- I mean you know snow is very cold water so it can't be nice for the stunt men mm. or very good for the suit maintenance especially when you're doing more H- high quality kind of filming now um but i kind of love took that stuff in the snow it's great um but yeah you mentioned like uh, jb says oh ryan you got to check out this vr scanner it's like this is a tool of war and you're kind of treating it like a toy <laughs> like, that you're gonna wow, be <laughs> check this out this is so <laughs> radical i <laughs> uh, gotta sell those toys maybe you should press the button and kind of his eyes light up for the vr scanner <laughs> but yeah they're kind of sneaking through the base setting some explosion explosives and they accidentally run into some skugs they have their own office which is quite nice they've got their own little <laughs> space to work in so they, they don't always have to be around the boss yeah there's a water cooler there and they're just like oh <laughs> Mondays in the virtual reality, am I right? Um, <laughs> and uh, they have kind of like a running light fight with all these lasers and sneaking around and running down corridors. It's very kind of spy, kind of modern action film, and I, and I kind of dig it. Um, and, <laughs> there's uh, there's this one bit where they're being chased by some kind of attack security camera or whatever it is they call it. Oh, yeah. And then JB's like, stay out the line of fire. And like Caitlin may as well have just gone, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I think she just said no kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Robot surveillance camera. Stay out of their line of fire. No kidding. <laughs> Apparently they get lost because Caitlin's like, JB, is this the way we came? He's like, yeah, sure. Maybe. <laughs> ah, no, we're lost. And I think that's when they find the, uh, the, the drones. Uh, but they find the way out and uh, they explode that damn base. Uh, mission complete, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> we then uh, get treated to General Ivar again. Yeah. He's got air cruisers, which it cool. kind of it sort of looks like a big flying shark, which I dig. And then, <laughs> then it kind of throws up some bombs. Yeah. <laughs> but then it turned out that the bombs were actually tanks. <laughs> Just throwing up dropships full of tanks. I think he's in one of the tanks as well. <laughs> yes. Which it took me way too long to realise as well. Like I couldn't really. I I was so focused on Ryan's suit. Obviously, the scene in the cockpit is original footage, so we get treated to that lovely suit that Saban got a hold of. And hmm. when it's shot from the front, it looks like it's smiling, and it's re- <laughs> it's really jarring. I hadn't noticed that, and now I'm probably going to see it for the next ninety episodes. Aren't I? So, uh, yeah. so that, um, that... so yeah, Ryan then 
comes out in a tank, like this tank gets shot out of the air fortress. Yeah, he uh, and he he does a backflip to get into uh, when Ryan's in his flying thing and he gets into the yeah. the ground version of the vehicle. He does a backflip to get into it. I mean, if you can, I d- it doesn't really like there's the room, but I suppose why not? <laughs> oh yeah, he kind of breaks through a cliff, uh, and he's in the virtual reality now. Like, did you? I think he's in the virt. No, because the tanks are in the reality barrier. I fit. Yeah. N- no, actually, no. It, I got lost again at this point after that really clear bit with JB and Caitlin. Oh, now it's all over the place again, and it's not really obvious <laughs> where they are. Deary, deary me. Uh, yeah, and this is when we get kind of a tank battle. Uh, Ryan and General Ivar have a little tussle. They sort of have like a, uh, a bumper car battle, which I, I yeah. quite enjoy. <laughs> and then Ryan's like, "See ya," and uh, pushes Ivar off a cliff. Oh, he calls him. Sorry. He calls him Blenderhead, and. If you were to tell me that that was an actual name of a monster in VR Troopers, I'd totally believe it. <laughs> or like Dino Thunder when they had like the mixture of appliance. And <laughs> yes. <creature>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's I don't know if that's the end of Ivar. He probably comes back. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Uh, he probably just he's in a ditch now, much like Ryan was. <laughs> uh, JB and Caitlin compliment him on a job well well done. They have the worst slow motion <laughs> high five. I've ever seen and I couldn't figure it out like if it was them just moving really slowly pretending they were in slow motion <laughs> or if it was just a really bad high five done in slow motion for some reason yeah I I don't know why that bit was in slow motion it was something else it, it did just look like it wasn't filmed in slow motion it was just them very slowly putting their hands together <laughs> Unless maybe that was the thing, because I think they were supposed to be aliens in Spiel Band, so maybe that was like, oh yes, we're going to touch and say thank you for your help or something. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I hope that yeah. they have lots of high fives. <laughs> and they get slower and slower. <laughs> <laughs> Until it gets to a point where it just takes up the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Part three of the high fives. Uh... <laughs> It's a mini series within VR Troopers. Just <laughs> high five, part one. <laughs> it's great because it means they're you know the less footage and less uh, new stuff they have to film for. Uh... Exactly, they're really just stretching it out as much as possible. <laughs> um, I believe with that the team returns to HQ and they're like, yeah, we've had this gigantic victory, we've blown up this base, we've destroyed this army. Yeah, this is I guess this is the end. What we're we gonna do next? And the professor is like, no, this is probably not the end. And then suddenly. The lights dim and we have some warnings and Grimlord appears on the screen. Oh yes, there's an unauthorized transmission. What's going on, Professor? I'm picking up an unauthorized transmission. Enjoy your moment of triumph while you can. You may have won the battle, but I will win the war. I guess you were right, Professor. Yeah, Grimlord is not gonna give up. I have a feeling we're gonna be in for a long fight. There's two screens either side of uh, Professor Hart, and on the yeah. screen to his right, Grimlord appears, and the professor doesn't really look like he gives a fuck that this is happening. <laughs> he just <laughs> he just rolls with it. I can't actually remember whether Grim oh no Grimlord says like a sentence to them, and then that's it. Yes, he says something that. Uh, now I'm wondering if this is catchphrase because I remember him saying this when I was a kid. In fact, like. 
I think of this phrase and think of Grimlord like literally I have done for the last 25 years. Mm. He says, you may have won the battle, but I will win the war. Because to me, as like, a, I don't know how old, seven or eight years old, mm. I was like, wow, that's really clever. <laughs> um, and so I always think of Grimlord saying it whenever someone says it, because I don't think it's that, definitely not the original of him. No. Um, but uh, I, I, I swear I remember him saying it uh, other times. Maybe it's not his catchphrase, it's just something he manages to say a lot. Um, it's like uh, and his ra- version of, oh, I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ryan says, I have a feeling we're in for a long fight. Probably like, about 50 like, episodes con- at least. Yeah, for season one. Last one 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're back at the friendship bell with Ryan and he recaps his don't give up message. And I'm going to find my dad someday. You're out there. And I, I, we probably get like a dun 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 dun. I think this episode is about three times better than the first episode. Yeah, uh, this episode was definitely a lot better than the first one. I feel like, I mean, it probably helps that they were a bit more consistent with using like two or three segments from um, Matilda and Spielband for the big fight, um, rather than cutting between like clearly five different fights to try and <laughs> stitch them all together. Um you know, I guess they had a lot of exposition to dump onto you on that first episode, and they'd already done the transformation, so they didn't really have to do that again. Mm. So it was kind of just nice to have like a, kind of a big fight, lots of cool Thunderbirdsy action scenes, and the kind of sneaking around the base, which you know we haven't really seen in Power Rangers at all. No, yeah, it was it was very like obviously because it's from Space Sheriff, so it was very yeah. like cop show esque, which mm. yeah, like you said, it's not really something you, that we get in. Power Rangers at all, so it's quite no. refreshing to see a scene like that. Especially at the time, like I think they at some point, um, Tommy um, like infiltrated Zed's castle or whatever. Well, that I don't think would have been for another year or whatever at this point in the show yeah. of Power Rangers. But like, even then, it's not, not the same kind of as being like chased around by putties and, mm. oh sorry, the scugs and put, placing explosives and stuff and what have you. But uh, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was great. Uh, I'm interested to see. Kind of where we go with the next episode. I think I saw the first few seconds, um, and it was back to the Korean friendship bell for more life lessons <laughs> from Ryan's dad, which is fine. You know, I mean, I kind of like it as a framing device, um, just to kind of give you the a uh, bit more obvious kind of what the moral of the episode is. Mm. Um, but uh, I like this. Yeah. There's a real sort of like sense of purpose as well. I find mm. with VR troopers, which Power Rangers didn't necessarily have it was more like oh we just got to fight the bad guys because they're the bad guys but there's like yeah obviously ryan's got the whole thing with his dad so there's like a personal reason for him to do it not just because zordon was just like you you're going to be a a superhero now you and your five friends yes you're a teenager you're you've got an attitude let's have you fight an evil witch who i put in a a bin ten thousand years ago (laughs) on on, on the moon um <laughs> this this episode as well it was less obviously but i mean it still was but it was less obviously made of two shows yeah but like obviously that um i think this episode was just um spielman footage but yeah and they had to obviously cut right in here and there but it felt more the flow was a bit more natural a bit more coherent yeah, yeah. especially because like i guess the you know, splitting them up, that's kind of going to have to happen throughout the series, mm. and I'm interested to see kind of how they pull that off um, as we go. Um, but yeah, like, it felt a lot more kind of natural this this time around, which was cool, which was good. Like, you know, a lot, lot more uh, interesting stuff going on with um, 
uh, kind of the, all the all the big fights that we had that we saw today. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, it sort of stays on this path of being coherent. Um, yeah. <laughs> when uh, I mean, when I was looking some stuff up um, earlier, I accidentally came across an image of Grimlord, which is a bit of a production spoiler for later on. But they appear to oh. have made a new Grimlord suit. Oh. Which they use. So maybe in the second series he doesn't go anywhere. Maybe this fight isn't fifty episodes long, but is in fact the whole ninety-two. But yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of assumed that. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it would be easy enough for them just to keep cutting back to Grimlord and his. I suppose all he um, ever really does is thing. shout at his minions. So it could have been done. Yeah, could have been done. They're easy to recycle footage because, I mean, uh, watching Drew Ranger. Uh, the original Power Rangers show, like they did it a lot with Rita, like they did do other stuff, mm. like they did take other bits and pieces of stock footage from the G Ranger show, but there's like, you know, about five minutes of Rita that they kind of reused for an entire season. Almost, <laughs> yes, so, yeah. I did like it in like later, uh, later episodes of um, Mighty Morphin where they had like their sort of original footage of Rita and like Rito mm. and Zed. Like I was quite enjoyed those. So if we're gonna get something. <laughs> Something similar with uh, Grimlord, I'd be quite happy with that. Because it looks Will like they'll be driving around in a camper van on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Grimlord at the seat of a Winnebago, like, uh, shut up! I'm trying to drive. It's fifty thousand space miles to the next uh, petrol station. Just a load of scugs in the back trying not to touch each other. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is it for the first two parts or anything else you wanted to add at all um no i think i think we've covered all bases so yeah we'll um see you for the next episode of vr troopers i can't remember the name of it but we'll talk about it when we get there <laughs> um i guess this is you know going to be the proper we'll see kind of the, the, the proper way the show's going to go with these monster of the week episodes uh and you know perhaps hunting for ryan's dad but uh yeah well, where can people find you online mark i'm uh at Bozo Robo on Twitter and also Instagram, which is B O Z O R O B O. And how about you, Rob? Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at uh, Rob Thez, R O B T H E Z. And you can also read my work in The Magpie, the official Rosie Pie magazine. But that's nothing to do with Tokusats as much as I keep telling my editor that we need to have a, pa- a column of me just talking about. I don't know, Super Sentai or Kamen Rider <laughs> or something like that. One day, one day. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's been that's been us for this week. Uh, we are VR. <laughs>